This evening, we have missionary Matt Allen that is going to be joining me for a discussion about ministry and then a uh, some study in the Word of God from 1 Thessalonians. Uh, Matt Allen has been a missionary in Papua New Guinea for many years. He and his wife Becky and their uh, their two daughters have served in the jungle region of the interior of Papua New Guinea. And now, for the last uh, couple of years, few years, they've been in Port Mosby, which is the capital city of Papua New Guinea. They have a, a great uh, city ministry with a church and a Christian school and uh, training people for the ministry. Doing a great job in Port Moresby there in Papua New Guinea. And uh, it is a joy to have Matt join me today. And so let's go ahead and welcome Missionary Matt Allen to our program this evening. Matt Allen, it is so good to see you. It has been too long. Welcome. No, I know. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. This is one of the great benefits of the COVID-19, to be able to get some FaceTime with some missionaries, and I am so excited that uh, it worked out that you and I could chat today for a little bit. Amen. Thank you. Talk to the church family about your family, Becky and the girls. What's what's going on in your family? How are everybody doing? Oh, they're doing really well. Everybody's healthy. Praise the Lord for that. I think a little social Amen. distancing has kept us all from even getting the common cold this year, and uh, <laughs> so we're doing really well. I, I'm, I'm thankful for it. Girls have just grown up and uh, into beautiful young ladies, and it, it's uh, we're about to be empty nesters, and uh, we're a little excited about that, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see. Yeah, now, tell us uh, ages for Ariel and Hannah. So Ariel's about to turn 20, and uh, Hannah is 18 years old. So, yeah, they're both uh, college age, and uh, Hannah is starting her first year at Bob Jones, and uh-huh. uh, Ariel is going into her third year at PCC. Uh, that's awesome. I, yeah. My wife and I uh, so remember the the transition stage from having some teenagers in the house to uh, being empty nesters. And I remember when our first uh, child went to college and we drove our son Chad, the whole family, we drove down to Pensacola mm-hmm. and dropped him off at school. And uh, and as we left, it was just, we just fell apart. I mean, it was it was horrible yep. experience, you know, to lose that. Cried like a baby. Oh, man, that was hard. And so then I had two sons and a daughter. So by the time the daughter came along, um, I thought this is going to be absolutely horrific, you know, to, to leave our, our daughter at, at college right. and come back home as empty nesters. And I remember when – and they all went to school together there at Pensacola. So they were all there one year all at the same time. So when we dropped okay. the kids off, uh, our eldest son, uh, Chad, was in his last year. And Connie was starting her first year, and Aaron in the in the middle. And as we uh, as we dropped off Connie and uh, and got ready to pull away from the curb, we looked, and there was our daughter Connie and our son Aaron, uh, linked arm in arm, walking down the sidewalk, giggling and laughing. And we oh, thought, good. this is good. This is good. Yes. We never shed a tear. Yep. We were so content. Awesome. We knew that God had it in in good order. And uh, we went home and enjoyed the empty nest time. And uh, yeah. <laughs> then Chad graduated and That's... came back home, and we weren't empty nesters again. <laughs> <laughs> going backwards. <laughs> it went backwards. Uh, they called them the boomerang kids. 
Yes. <laughs> Understand that. <laughs> yep. Yep. Well, that's great. Uh, so glad to hear the family's doing well. Now, you're, um, I see some beautiful uh, uh, trees in your, in your background there. That looks yeah. an awful lot like Appalachia instead of uh, Papua New Guinea. Where are you? Yes, yes. So we're actually in Kentucky. We arrived last week from Port Moresby, uh, and we're actually here in Kentucky right now uh, at my in-law's house, and uh, we're in transition to take Hannah to Bob Jones. Uh, yeah. So here in about a month from now, we'll drop her off at, at Bob Jones. And, uh, so uh, we're not quite through the 14 days of trying to stay socially distanced and all of that sort of thing. So, um, but yeah, we're, so yeah, that's, we're here in Kentucky for a few weeks and uh, by the 1st of September, we'll be headed back. Um, okay. And I can't wait to be home, honestly. <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, that is awesome. Now, I know the COVID-19 virus has impacted ministries all over the world, and I know it's impacted your ministry in uh, mm. Port Moresby. Share a little bit with us about uh, what has happened with the uh, ministry there in Port Moresby. Sure. Um, so when things were really kind of, I, I mean, good gracious, my heart goes out for, to churches like Community Baptists and, and the, the rest of the churches in, uh, in the U.S. I mean, uh, just the impact that's happened here is much longer lasting. Uh, as that was kind of the beginning of first wave, uh, Papua New Guinea tried to jump on the front end. We had a single case that was brought in as a, by a foreigner um, and light case, but then they sent him back out. So we had one, and then we went back to zero for quite a long time. Um, but as a result of that, kind of the nation went to, we're going to lock down the borders, we're going to uh, everybody do social distancing, and they actually locked down the city. Uh, for So we weren't able to meet for five weeks, and everything was online uh, that time. Uh, now, we ended up having a total of eight cases for a long time until last week, and here in about the last five days, we're now, we now have community spread. Uh, within Port Moresby, which is kind of a terrifying thing. Cause, so that means we're really at the beginning of our first wave. Um, so as of a couple of hours ago, we're up to 19 cases now. I uh, had our first COVID-related death last night. Um, so it's kind of uh, a lot of uncertainty right now. Uh, sure. and, and so to kind of be a little bit transparent there, our ministry is there while we're away, and, like, my heart's really torn to be there. Um, but during that five weeks time period, um, when everybody was socially distanced, and, and it was literal, it was a 14-day lockdown, stay at home, don't go anywhere. Um, and during that time period, uh, we we transitioned immediately to online services. And I think we might have been the only church in the whole country that did that. Wow. Um, we, I, I ran right across, I mean, and I took the cue from everybody else in the States, right? I mean, it's, it was pretty uh -huh. easy to watch my friends do this, so let's do it too. Um, and I knew that we had a lot of people on Facebook, but I didn't realize how many were on Facebook. Um, uh -huh. so we ran Facebook, YouTube, Vimeo all at the same time, but YouTube and Vimeo did not see the results that Facebook did. Um, and so we, we just ran Facebook services uh so i would re pre-record them on friday and i would have them set to release on sunday morning and there were all over the city uh families would get together and they would have their device hooked up to the biggest screen that they would have sometimes it was just a laptop or they'd have it on, on a big screen tv 
Um, and then we asked people, hey, put pictures, you know, post it in the re- in the reply section, post pictures of your family meeting together. It was very common to have, you know, two or three houses that were next door to each other would come together, uh, and you'd have 15, 20 people sitting around a single device watching a whole sermon. And then Facebook gives us the analytics and tells us who's, how many times it's been viewed, like how many times it's been viewed for three minutes, how many times it's been viewed in entirety. Uh, we were having entire views each week, up over a thousand entire views. You know, an hour-long service. Uh, you know, here's the music, here's the sermon. Uh, a thousand views every week, which is just unheard of. It, the three-minute segments was up over twelve thousand each week, and it was just mind-boggling. Uh, Becky and I, we'd go into town after that. We went to a restaurant. Uh, we sit down at the restaurant. The lady serving the t- meal at the end of the meal, she asks, "Are you the pastor?" And I, yeah, but how do you know me? And she's, she said, "She said mom makes us sit and watch the church service every Sunday morning." <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, that's me. Uh, as a result of that, now that we're back to meeting in person, every week we're having visitors are coming every week, bringing families, and they're saying, "Hey, we've been watching this." You know, our, we've been watching your sermon series. We've been I, I did a series as well, a biblical response to coronavirus and and there was a lot of a lot of feedback from that. Um so we had we've had a lot of new people that we would have never touched before. Um wow. just as a result of a tragedy. Yeah. That's incredible. What kind of things just out of curiosity, what kind of things did you deal with in that series on a biblical response to uh the COVID virus? Yeah, I talked a lot about the sovereignty of God and how God is uh, God's in control of all things, whether they're good or bad. And Romans 8, and contextually, Romans 8, all things and what is the all things in the passage, you just walk right back through is suffering and, and earth is, yeah. is moaning and groaning. And, and, and you've got all of these and all of these things work together for good to them who love God. And then he's using verse 29, he's using those to conform us into the image of his son. Um, and so having that as a background, and that was that, that was a bit helpful for our people. At the same time, it was also helpful to walk through, hey, let's look through historically. This isn't the first tragedy that, that mankind's ever faced. Um, and, and, and so we don't need to jump off and, and start, you know, going all kinds of conspiracy theory or uh, the other side. Maybe this is the end of time. You know, this is, there's there's a balance to strike here. Um, and, and I had we had a lot of our, a lot of our folks just get some strength and, and as you can imagine, uh, I think the heart of man is naturally ten, the heart of man naturally tends towards what's going to be the weirdest thing that I can take out of this and yeah. uh, and within a society that a lot not all but a lot of our society is preliterate um, to have sort of spiritist uh, animistic tendencies uh-huh. to just go okay guys let's get let's get rooted in the word um yeah. and, and so I, I found it to be very helpful that's awesome that's if folks here uh are interested in catching some of those uh broadcasts on facebook how would they find yes. you guys on facebook so real easy facebook.com slash ccbcpom so that ccbc is capital city baptist church pom is port moresby so CCBC POM, or if they search podcasts, wherever they get their podcasts, they can just search podcast Capital City Baptist Church Port Moresby, um, and 
as you can imagine, we kind of hit the top of the list if you search that way. <laughs> okay. Capital City Baptist Church, Port Moresby. That's right. That's hey, right. Awesome. Awesome. Maybe some of the folks here would, would love to be able to catch up with a little bit and see what's uh, happened over there. That's that's really exciting. No, now, it's, it, it's been awesome. That's great. Hey, you're, you're here in the States for just, as you said, you're here to get your uh, daughter Hannah started in college, and then you'll be going back yes. uh, later on this year, sometime uh, fall or whatever. First of September. Yes, sir. What's it going to be like going back with, with, with what's mm -hmm. happening with the virus? What are you facing going yeah. back into the country? So uh, we, were able to trans, uh, we were able to travel this direction because we're U.S. citizens, uh -huh. um, and we'll be able to go back because we're permanent residents of Papua New Guinea. Um, so that kind of helps us be able to make that transition. There is literally one flight a week, uh, it, which is just mind-boggling to me. Uh, back in February, tickets were the cheapest they've ever been. And uh, I, 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 you could go any day of the week, multiple times a day. Um, and, and now for me to just go, wow, there's one flight a week is just mind-boggling. Um, so Transitioning, so the flight goes through Auckland, New Zealand. Uh, we cannot be on the ground in New Zealand for longer than eight hours, uh, so it has to be a connection that goes through. Uh, Australia, same thing. Uh, so Australia is not allowing foreigners to come into their country, so you can transit through uh, so we can come in uh, as long as we're less than eight hours, uh, and then we can transit on to Port Moresby. Once we arrive in Port Moresby, it's a mandatory 14-day quarantine, so that's Everybody, anybody that arrives into Port Moresby, it's uh, immediate 14-day quarantine. So we'll be at the Holiday Inn uh, in a hotel room for 14 days. And uh, family and friends can bring food, drop it off at the, uh, at the front desk, and they'll deliver it to our room. Uh, so before we left, we packed a little suitcase, and we said, we want these things brought from our house, and, uh, and we'll text you a grocery list. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. Wow, that is interesting. What, when, as you get back into uh, Fort Moresby, what, uh, what's the ministry going to look like once you get through that 14-day quarantine period? Yes, yeah, so I'm looking forward to being back into the ministry there. Uh, namely, I'm planning to start a series in the church on Galatians. That's my next series uh -huh. that I'm planning on. And, uh, and then, of course, we've got the Christian school going. Uh, we actually, our school year runs a bit opposite of what it does in the U.S., and so our school year right now, we're halfway through the school year, and so they're in classes. We've got 122 students in the school right now, and uh, so when we come in in September, we'll be three-quarters of the way through the school year, so I'll, we'll be there to help wrap up the last quarter of the school year uh, and get all of that kind of tied up. My wife is the principal in the school, uh, so I just kind of – I just – Provide a little direction, you know. <laughs> a little as pastor, you know, direction and correction, right? <laughs> yeah, there you go. There you go. Now, right now, what grade levels is the, the school? I'm sorry. He's getting called into the pastor's office. <laughs> yeah. uh, pastor, uh, principal. That's that's a kind of a a tough road to hoe. Yeah. <laughs> so, what? Tell me, uh, what grade levels does the school have? So we do K-4 up to fourth grade right now, and then every year we're adding a grade. Okay. Uh, and we're, 
we're seeing we're seeing a really great result. Uh, about an average of 25 students per year being added into the school. So uh-huh. um, we're expecting around 140, 145 next year. Great, awesome. And uh, are most of these children coming from families who are members of the church or from the community? It's a good mix, and so uh, we 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 use Abeka, which for our curriculum. Uh-huh. Um, and so because of that and the fact that we've got several American teachers in the school, it, it kind of comes across. It is we name it's named as an international school. And so there's a, it draws a lot of attention from the community. Um, and so we've got kind of both direction. We've got church families that have their children in the school. And then we've got lost folks that have had their kids in the school. And then we've actually had several now where we've had the children get saved and then the parents get saved as well. And now they're the whole family's a part of the church. Um, wow. So we, we consider the school the ministry of the church. And it, and I'm always at the forefront there pushing that for it to maintain as a ministry. Sure. Uh, instead of let it run itself, you know. Sure, yes. Now, I understand from your uh, chats we've had that You've got some construction plans uh, looming ahead of you. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So um, uh, there's there's been a bit of a hiccup for the last two years because of the property. Uh, a lot of that has to do with the fact that the land had never been titled. Nobody had ever had it in writing who owned the property. Um, and so when it's everything's oral, as we know, oral records can be manipulated. Um, and so we had we had obtained the property from a local clan of people there's a, a tribe tribal clan there that had given the land for us to use which was fantastic and things went fine until we started building uh and developing that land and then a neighboring clan decided they wanted it as well um and so things ended up in court and uh the things are still in court however uh over the last several months i've been working really strong to try to build relationships with that with the people in the other clan uh uh-huh. and what I can only describe as God's providence, uh, God just did a work in their hearts. And next thing I know, they have given us permission to build. Uh, and so uh, instead of hindering us now, they've said, hey, just move forward. We don't want to stop what's going on. So praise God oh, for that. Wow. Um, so we've already done architectural drawings. Uh, everything's approved now for us to move into uh, move into a building phase. Um, so we're looking probably the first of the year we'll start building. Definitely by the end of next year, we need to be built so that we can be into that. So a bigger auditorium um, so that we can fit more people into the, for the church. Um, even without COVID restrictions, we have to do multiple services anyway because we have too many people in the church, not enough space. Uh-huh. Um, so then we'll be able to meet, every, meet together. Um, and then also with that building, second story upstairs, we'll have six more classrooms uh, so we'll be able to expand for the school and as well. Uh, my mom and dad have joined us in Port Moresby now, and with this That's permission great. to build, they're actually they're building their house right now. Um, oh, so wow. praise the Lord for that. Uh, we're I'm, I'm so thrilled to have Dad living next door now. Yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, now uh, the picture behind, that appears to be behind me, outside the glass, outside the window. Uh, describe yes. that picture. Uh, uh, the folks here. Oh, that's uh, that's that's my heart. That's where. Uh, so if you can see the houses out over the water, that's Hanawabata Village, one of the largest villages in Papua New Guinea. And you'll notice that the houses are built out over the water. 
um, and that's a traditional village. Uh, it's a Motuan village. So the Motu, they speak the language of Motu. Uh, and there's a number of Motu villages all along the southern coast in our region. And that's, that was their traditional way, is they would build out over the water. Uh, in years past, generations past, they actually built out on the reef. So they'd be out away from the coast, and a lot of that had to do with uh, tribal fighting. So the folks that lived in the interior would come down, chase them fighting, but then these guys would just get in their canoe, go out to the house, and kind of, eh, you can't get us. Uh, (laughs) That's the reason for building. Uh, They've now moved off of the reef, obviously, up towards the shore, but they've maintained that same style of building. Wow. Um, In the foreground is, uh, that's, the the area is called Konidobu, and that's there's a bank that's a bank that's right there in the front, and all of that's all kind of business district now, um, and so that's leading into the downtown. So where we're sitting would be the downtown area. Yeah, that's neat. Fort Mosby, capital city of Papua New Guinea. That's yes, sir. Great. Let's uh, let's talk a little bit about God's word. Uh, the fact that you have Amen. just preached through the entire book of. Uh, First Thessalonians, you were sharing with me that, that you had uh, preached through that as a series there in Port Moresby. And uh, I know from my experience uh, in the ministry and preaching through books of the Bible that uh, when, when, I, when I get through the book, I wish I could start over again because I know so much more about the book than I did when I went into yes. that study. And so having preached through the book of First Thessalonians, I know that you look back on that with some fond memories and a deeper understanding of that yeah. part of God's Word. So I'd love for you to share some things from God's Word uh, with uh, the folks here uh, while we're on the phone. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's start with geography. Sure. So just describe um, where in the world yeah. is this taking place? Yeah, so that's uh, Thessalonica, northern Greece, is that uh, Macedonian region uh, because of its location very easily a very sinful place um and and so uh, for paul to come in and then as we see in acts see the the response to be so quick to the gospel um and and, and even the accusation that comes out in court these are the men that have turned the world upside down um i just can't imagine like that's definitely god at work there's no way that that could have been men um so Yeah. yeah fantastic uh Heaps of history, obviously. Yeah. Sure. He had just come out of Philippi uh, shortly before arriving in Thessalonica. Yeah. So he must have come in uh, kind of beat up. Uh, And the way I presented it for our church was uh, I I see it as about a three-day journey, Philippi across to Thessalonica. And so it's possible because he was beaten, and then the next day he left Philippi. It's possible uh-huh. within the same week he's arriving into Thessalonica. He's got a scarred beat back. Uh, he's really beat up as he comes in. Um, and if it, it seems like it's perhaps the story at Thessalonica could have happened all within a month, uh, it's very possible if he had gotten captured. Um, you know, he there's the story there in Acts 17 where they come to get him, and instead they get Jason. Uh, and, and the other church yeah. elders, um, I really think that if they had gotten Paul a second beating that close, he probably wouldn't have survived it. 
And I and I yeah. can't help but wonder, perhaps the church at Thessalonica, the people knew that. Um, yeah. I doubt Paul walked into Thessalonica and he was like, here, have a look at my back. But as he got to know those people and they loved him, I'm sure that there would have been a very close relationship to where they would have known what was under his coat um, as as a potential court case was coming up. Um, so, yeah. yeah. I, I see a you – know, Matt, when I think of – I was going to say, when, when I think of, um, of what he endured in Philippi and then to come so quickly into Thessalonica, uh, if, if I put myself in that situation, I, I might think I'd be like a, a puppy dog with my tail tucked between my legs, you know, scared to, to yeah. say too much about the gospel after what I just went through. Yes, wow. yes. And I can't help but wonder, you know, I think that the, the way that we do things now, um, if you got beat that bad at Philippi, and especially knowing what we know now, he's headed to Thessalonica. You've got Iconia problems, Berea problems. Um, like, if we, if if that was happening now, I think we would go, hey, we need to pull back. Let's go back to Antioch. Uh, let's talk this through. Yeah. Make sure we're headed in the right direction. Um, let's get together a team and let's he- try this again. Um, and he was just like, nope. Yeah. I got a three day walk. Let's go. You know, I just. Yeah. You can't help but love a guy like that. Oh, and when when he said there in that uh, kicked off the second chapter of First Thessalonians with that statement, he said, "You knew, you know that our entrance to you was not in vain, uh, but even after we had suffered before and were shamefully entreated, as you know, at Philippi, we were bold in our God to speak unto you." The gospel of God with much contention. Like, wow, this guy, instead of instead of the beating, shutting him up, he comes and he is bold when he enters into Thessalonica. What a guy. Yes, yes. Uh, had every right and every reason to just, let's hunker down for a little while. Uh, and instead, yes. keeps going. Yeah, yeah. So bold. Amazing. Yeah. Amazing. Now, um... So we know where it was. Mm-hmm. You described that. We know that the connection with Philippi and the beating, the jailing there in Philippi, uh, kind of the, the, the context that led to him starting this church in Thessalonica. Now, as you look at the, this first letter, what we call First Thessalonians in our Bible, what do you see as the heart of this letter? What, if, if we could boil this letter down to a couple of sentences, what is this letter all about? So the way I see the first three chapters is very much there's just a love and a bond between him and them. And then we also see there's a a portion, I think it's the end of chapter three, where he talks about I sent Timothy. uh, And Uh boy, I want to talk about that, too. So don't don't let me forget about that. Uh, (laughs) But uh, (laughs) when like he's got this I, I love you guys and I'm just terrified that I left you and it was such a short notice and I'm never gonna be able to come back and I I, I wanna see that you're continuing on in the faith and, and I'm just afraid that you're you gave up. Um and instead he gets a report from Timothy that, man, they're holding the line. I think that was like yes. there's a there's a phrase there. They're they're holding the line, they're not giving up, they're continuing on. Um, and, and then I see chapters four and five kind of a I wonder if perhaps they're worried about they know that they know that the Lord's going to come back. 
But then what about mm -hmm. our brothers and sisters that don't live until then? And especially if that's coming out of a, of a persecution, uh, what about our mm -hmm. brothers and sisters perhaps that have been martyred and they're not going to make it for the return of the Lord, so what about them? Uh, and then that yeah. gives a, kind of a depth to uh, the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and, and we will not prevent yeah. them. We you yeah. see there's this that just the context of the passage church members worried about their brothers and sisters and am I going to somehow gain an advantage over them because I'm still alive but I love them and and he goes no 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 they're actually going to beat you even if it's just by a few <laughs> uh, yeah and, and then you come into chapter five and you've yeah. got that added you're not destined to wrath um, this is not the day of the Lord. Uh, the day of the Lord is still to come, and and His wrath and those bad things that you're going through right now is not His wrath. It's His wrath is is going to be saved for those unbelievers, and this is not for you. Um, and, and I see such there, there's such a bond of love, all that's woven all throughout it. And I think that if we were to sum it up, I think you definitely would. We would definitely find that I I'm so thrilled that you guys are continuing on in the faith. Um, Amen. Which coming back to coming back to the Timothy thing, um, when they left from uh, they they left from Thessalonica, come down to Berea, get run out of Berea, off to the coast, as it were, to the sea, and then they take off and they go down to Athens. And when they're in Athens, like I just think of Mars Hill and Paul talking yeah. to, like philosophical. I mean, we're talking about students of Socrates. I mean, these uh -huh. guys are deep philosophical thinkers, and if I'm going to stand on Mars Hill and argue philosophically with these guys, I need my team to be here. And Paul gives up Silas and Timothy for the sake of yes. Thessalonica. You guys go back up yes. there, be with that church, they need you. And then Paul, and, and Paul loses. He loses the philosophical argument against these guys at Athens walks away from Athens with what seems to me like there's not a church planted there. He goes on and he spends time at Corinth, and he's at Corinth instead. And we all know that's the providence of God. Um, but if you yes. look at it from humanly speaking, Thessalonica gained and Athens lost uh, yes. because of Paul's love for Thessalonica. Um, so part of that, a lot of that's speculative. Um, yeah. But uh, I, I just see, I see a deep love for Thessalonica. Yes, I, I see that, Matt, when he, uh, in, in the midst of that decision to send Timothy back uh, mm. in chapter 3, when, when Paul, uh, it, it just seems to, to just be so emotionally uh, tied to Thessalonica, mm. he says, when we could no longer forbear, I couldn't stand it any longer. I had to find out yeah. how you're doing. And it seemed that he was fearful. He said that uh, in verse 5, he said, When I could no longer forbear, I sent to know your faith, lest by some means the tempter have tempted you, and our labor be in vain. And that really yeah. resonated with me, Matt, because in chapter 2, he said our entrance in, in, into you was not in vain. Mm. And so when he arrived in Thessalonica, they had an explosion of gospel results yes. that chapter 1 talks about. Yes. But now... He's worried that his labor 
in Thessalonica ended up being in vain right. and that explosion of gospel success when he entered has now petered out yeah. and and there's nothing to show for it. His right. labor is in vain. So he's just struggling with these emotions over yes. these people. Yes, yes. Amazing. And, and i got to say, like this, what I'm on a much smaller scale, like I feel that with my church in Morsby. Uh, yes. I'm separated, and there's the and, – and I trust I'm going to be with them, right? On 15th of September, I'll be back with them. That's my, my no and my trust. And yet, there's an uncertainty, and there's this love that I just go – I. You see it with him in Philippi. I, I, I'd love to be with you. But I want to be with the Lord. I, I love that one. That was much better. But for you, it's more needful. And so yes. I, there's, yes. you, you see the struggle that's going on it, and, and being away. And I think that even pastors in the U.S. are kind of feeling that right now. Um, uh-huh. I can't be with the body. And so here I'm having to, I'm having to do the modern version of, Pulling the pistols as I give you a video, you know, and it just seems so yes. inadequate. Uh, yes. Yeah. Yeah, that's so true. That pastor's heart is uh, uh, is a powerful part of, of how God shapes someone to pastor, uh, to have that heart uh, yeah. for God's people and to be that under-shepherd. And, uh, oh, how valuable it is to see that in the New Testament as it plays itself out in the yeah. church epistles and kind of shapes our understanding of what this thing of pastoring is. You know, I was, I was um, along those same lines when, when, uh, when Paul's wrestling with that pastoral's heart for the people and, and he finally sent Timothy. And, of course, you mentioned it, uh, how that Timothy came back and said, Paul, they're towing the line, you know, they're mm-hmm. walking the line, yeah. they're, they're doing a great job, they're, they're, you know, really doing well. They missed you. They'd love to see you. It's great. And then, and then Paul makes the statement. He said in verse number eight, he says, "For now we live." Yes, I'm really and, and alive I think now. Think about that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He was so in the doldrums, you know. Uh, just he couldn't stand not knowing when he finally found out they were doing well. He says, "Wow, I really live now that I know yeah. you're standing fast in the faith." Yes. The impact. And, and, wow. And you know, you got the pastoral heart that goes towards the people. But then the people's faithfulness that goes towards the pastor. And, and even though it's not, you know, yes. we, don't primarily, we don't primarily do it for horizontal. We do it because it, it'd be yeah. vertical. But as I hold the line here and you hold the line there, uh, there's a bond that, that develops on the horizontal as well. And Amen. It's a godly Amen. thing. Yeah. Yeah. So powerful. Yeah. Having gone through the epistle of First Thessalonians and and the richness of the flow of truth that, that unfolds in this letter. Um, is there anything special when you think of the church at Fort Moresby? And some, what would be some of the, a couple of the key things that you learned from First Thessalonians that, that you want to see in the people in the church at Fort uh, Moresby? Anything specific that comes to your mind? Uh, I think of those, like the opening words in chapter 1, the, I think it's verse 3, um, remembering your 
without ceasing your work of faith, labor of love, patience of hope. And, and you know, those almost seem antithetical, your work of faith, labor of love, right? The love should be natural. Yeah. It shouldn't be a labor. Uh, faith shouldn't be yeah. a work. Um, but then the way that those, like he says, from a distance, I remember these things in you. Um, and, and, I, and, and I pray that the church that God's given me to pastor and the people that, that he's called me to lead and I'm responsible for, my prayer is that they would be known for, remembered for a labor of love. And a Amen. work of faith, patience, and hope. You know, um, so yeah, I, I, I think Absolutely. that may, hope that answers the question. Uh, yes, I certainly. And want to see that. Amen. To see that church, that body of people in Fort Mosby, um, being the the light for others in in Papua Amen. New Guinea and spreading the gospel out to know that they're they're doing well. Amen. And the. It's not been a labor in vain. It's been a labor with great blessing from God uh, that uh, God is going to use in the future. Amen. Well, that's that's our heart for the people that we pastor, the churches we pastor. Amen. That um, they will bring much glory to God. Yes. That's exciting. Yes. Hey, Matt, thank you so much for being willing to uh, craft some time out to uh, uh, to chat with me and, and, and through the video the people of Community Baptist Church. We love missionaries. We are Thank so you. grateful to God uh, for the opportunity to partner with you all and to um, to be able to have some little tangible part in your life and ministry there in Papua New Guinea. And, uh, thank you so much. Pastor Mike, thank you for putting this together. And thank you to the folks at Community Baptist. You guys have been such a blessing and a tremendous encouragement. Uh, every so often we'll get an email um, that, that's been personalized, and we really appreciate that. And I think it wasn't too long ago you guys did a Christmas, I uh, think maybe it was, was it Christmas in July last year or something like that? Or maybe it was yeah. this year, I don't remember. Uh, but you guys have yeah. just been a blessing to us, and we're really thankful for it. Thank you. Uh, amen. Well, give uh, Becky a hug for my wife and I, and, and uh, I trust that God will help you through the empty nest syndrome as that uh, last <laughs> child goes off college. And you guys have a great summer. Thank you very much, Pastor. I really appreciate it.